Hi, I'm Helleth Kendrick. And I'm Chris Keane. And this is the Recruit for Spouses podcast. So shall we start off by trying to describe what the podcast is going to be about, but using one word each, backwards and forwards? Yes. <laughs> See where this goes. Okay. Um, so I'll start off then. Spouses. Yeah. Employment. Is. Awesome. Because. They. Are. Adaptable. When. Put. In. Difficult. Bathrooms. <laughs> Actually, yeah. should we start by just telling a bit about each other? So would you like to go first? Yeah, so um, I'm Helleth. I'm the founder of Recruit for Spouses and I am a military wife. I have been married for 11 years and um, I have two children aged 13 and 11. So I'm Chris. I'm a, a military husband. My wife Kelly is in the army. Uh, she's in the Remi. I met Kelly in the Falklands whilst working for BFBS doing the radio thing a few months back, say 10 months to be precise. We had a little baby girl called Holly and because of that, I decided to go freelance in the radio world as well as being a stay-at-home dad. So I think for me at the moment, I'm living the best of both worlds and it's awesome. We always say with spouses that um, a lot of spouses will introduce themselves and say who they are as a, as a mum and I think we should always, or parent, I think we should always bring the whole person to the to that interview. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been very proud of that. And that's something that we're going to talk about in the podcast is around being proud of being a military spouse um, and our attachment to it, because I think so many spouses have to subjugate their careers. So th- this is really what this is going to be about, is how can we change that narrative, really? So for people listening that don't know a thing about Recruit for Spouses, tell us what it is. So I set it up 11 years ago. I can't believe it was 11 years ago now. It's just crazy. Um, Because when I'd always worked, I mean, I'd always, always worked. And um, I felt that when I got married, that it was really unfair. I remember the first day of moving into our quarter and being very excited about the Magnolia walls. We had MOD furniture and all that sort of stuff. It was, And then the novelty sort of wore off a little bit, which is fine. Um, And weirdly, I was kind of expecting somebody to come and knock on my door and say, hi, welcome to the world of being a military wife. And I, I didn't. And I had to go out and meet people and and yeah, I was sort of missing my friends and my family and, and all those sort of things and then I went for a job and I remember being asked where I lived and I thought that was a bit weird and I'd never not worked and I remember them saying well you know you live on the patch uh, you, you live at deep cut and I was like yeah um, well you're going to move away soon so why would you want to work here and I remember thinking it was a really sort of you know, it was just an admin job. Um, and I remember thinking, gosh, that's that, they're making a decision on me, an assumption on me based on the fact that I, who I'm married to. I just felt it was really unfair. So um, I started talking to other wives and husbands. And they all said the same thing. They all kind of said, oh, forget it. You know, forget your career. Don't worry. It will never change. Um, we move so much. You just can't have a career unless you're a nurse or a teacher. And I remember thinking that was desperately unfair. And I've said it on other podcasts and and when I've been interviewed before that somebody I used to work for was a world champion. He'd won, he's the only uh, three-day event rider to win a double gold medal uh, world championships and Olympics in the same year. Um, And he was incredible. Um, And I learned so much from him around work ethics and, and everything. But he, one of the things that he taught me was that if something isn't right in your immediate environment, you change it. And he came over from New Zealand with nothing and, and basically wiped the the stage clean when it came to his competitive career and so I learned a lot from him and I I sort of 
dare I say, applied the same sort of thing. I thought, well, I've got nothing better to do. I may as well just see. So I, yeah, I just, just started from there really. And it just got bigger and bigger. And, you know, 11 years on, we've won many awards. We've supported, we've changed the narrative for military spouse employment around the world. And we, we sit on um, numerous boards, international boards now, boards in MOD, in government, which is really exciting. But the most important thing is our values around, I haven't forgotten that feeling of when Neil left and the door closed and thinking, oh my God, is this it? Is this my life? You know, mm. um, and that feeling of, we had an amazing community around us, but that feeling of, I just wanted to work. I wanted to earn money. I wanted to buy, you know, for us to buy a home. I wanted all the basic things. And yet it was, it was being taken away from me. And I feel that I still, to this day, no matter who we are, what we've done and the successes that we're now seeing in, in the business, which has taken a long time, that actually not forgetting that military spouse who's just got married or has just moved. We've seen a 162% increase in registration since COVID. So I thought, you know, this podcast is an opportunity really to to help those people, um, men and women, who might be feeling just a little bit not sure about where they're going. This is why it's good that we're doing the podcast together, because I've got a completely, not a completely different view, but a different experience. So I've been a military spouse for uh, about four years, just over four years. So for me, becoming a military spouse and seeing employment, it's almost kind of champion now. So employers kind of champion the fact that they can take a military spouse on, whereas you, 12 years ago, it was completely different. So for me hearing that, it's actually thinking, wow, that's why was it like that? And it's good that it's changing and that you've done that. You're, you and your team have kind of changed the whole thing and now they are championed. Yeah, well, actually, one of the ladies that we're going to interview in the next few weeks, we've got some amazing, um, I mean, I think we start with the reason why we did it. And Mm. I've just talked about why I've done this. Um, And one of the ladies who was a lawyer, actually, she interestingly wasn't a military spouse, but she was talking about the, um, the skills that employers look for, you know, in big companies which are adaptability resilience and change um and we were at the house of commons and i had a petition and i got i think i I went around this is the days before the internet really took off and i remember sending out and there's probably still military wives out there that remember this i say wives because they all were wives at the time (laughs) we had a petition we got about 600 signatures so 90 percent of the spouses that we interviewed hadn't worked for over five years none of them could get work. And I remember thinking, gosh, this is so I had all these signatures and I sent them all off and had literally physically had all these signatures. It wasn't on what they have now. And, you know, you do it on the on email. Um, and I went, I dropped it off at number 10. I had permission to go to number 10 to David Cameron um, and dropped all these signatures off and then marched off to the House of Commons and, and had this little room where I um, announced that military wives needed to work. And, and people were actually sniggering uh, and laughing. And there was MOD and politicians and I, don't, I mean I really don't know why they were all so interested I do remember being late for that gig because I was held up at number 10 to announce that you know to hand in my, I wasn't even allowed in to hand in my petition of all these wives that wanted to work and things needed to change mm. um and when I was had to run to, to the house of commons and and then this room this tiny room was packed and it was my gig and I was late for it. Great start. <laughs> and they were all rolling their eyes and tutting, oh, who is this silly wife? You know, my wife doesn't need to work. And she's had a great life, you know, in, in the military. And we've, we've lived in some marvellous places. And, you know, she's never wanted to work. She was a, you know, and all these sort of old, very sort of old 
stuttery chaps were there and and I remember standing and shaking. I was so nervous. I was, just, and Lucy was with me, and uh, she was a lawyer. And she said she talked so eloquently. I didn't, but she talked so eloquently about the skills that were needed, and that there was this latent talent pool almost of of military spouses that needed to work. And when she started to talk, people started to listen. And I remember that was a kind of a change of attitude, really. And so Lucy, um, now lives, she's a lawyer, but she lives in San Francisco. Um, she had a really bad, like a terrible. A motorbike accident you know going to work and um so funny enough I emailed her last night and said hey how's it going and she's like oh my gosh I'd love to be on your podcast so it'd be really I think when I talk about it now people don't actually believe that I did that and they they kind of look at me oh no you know of course wives wanted to work but the challenges and the barriers that were put up to me at the beginning was was just quite amusing really uh, and very draconian and I think and people kept saying it's never going to change. And it's really good to see that it has changed. But there are, dare I say, rot creeping in, which we need which we need to kind of try and stop, I think, is, is key. As you say, military wives and husbands are, the resilience is just there, isn't it? Everything an employer would look for in a good employee, a military spouse has got it. Even when it comes to firing a person, if they had to let that person go, even then, the military spouse would be like, yeah, that's fine. I get this kind of unsettledness in my life anyway. I move every two years. So yeah, that's fine. I'll just find another job. Bring it on. And I think you are a really good example, Chris, because you have experienced yourself, how you've moved and adapted to different situations. And you know yourself. I mean, you talked in one of your brilliant blogs. I love the analogy of um, asking Pete, who worked in the meat counter at Pascoe's, to look after your child. Because actually, that's what we this podcast is about, is our community and and the spirit of our community and how much we really rely on each other to support mm. each other and how much it, how important that community still is. And even so, there's 10,000 um, military personnel that's still serving um, abroad. So we need our neighbours. We really do need that, that life on patch. It's so, so important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I heard a really good, um, a good saying the other day where everybody's not in the same boat, but everybody's in the same storm. Yeah, exactly. Which Very is so good. True. And the only commonality we have is the fact that we're married to somebody in the services and we are from such different backgrounds. And, you know, people talk about resilience and what is resilience and how do you, you know, how do you get resilience? And that going back to that spouse who's sitting on the sofa, flicking through daytime TV, feeling a bit crap about themselves and not not being able to get work. And where do I start with a CV? And, you know, at the end of the day, being put in those situations constantly makes you resilient without whether you like it or not and the fact that husband will come home and say we're posted you know your children have just settled into a really lovely school they've got some really lovely friends they're really enjoying it and your husband comes home puts his berry on the table it's always putting the berry on the table for a bizarre reason or her berry and says we're posted we're moving in four weeks and you're like shit and the first few times it happens you're like oh my god I don't want to move to Kinloss I don't want to move to Portsmouth I don't want to move here I don't want to move to the Falklands and then you go do you know what take a deep breath let's just do it and then you realize that the bond that you get with your partner you realize how important it is that you just you just step it up you deal with it, you you know, you just get your head. I mean, I've I've got a friend who's recently been posted sort of abroad. They've been in their house for three years um, and they're really settled in school and they had a plan and they had everything. They were going to move to Guildford and it was all going to get, you know, work. As soon as you have a plan, something goes wrong. And yeah, they're going to have an amazing, uh, you know, life in the next three years. Um, and you have friends in Malaysia, friends in Australia, friends in Pakistan, and they just have a great, they really, they just make the most of it. And I think 
that sort of military like pushes you out of your boundaries constantly doesn't it you get that constant out of your comfort zone which is something that creates resilience yeah definitely i really look forward to moving now i do i kind of see it as an opportunity to get to know a brand new area make new yeah. friends and you're never gonna yeah. get bored are you if, you, if you're no. stuck in like a house for i don't know well my mom and dad have been in their house for 27 years and that's fine but i yeah. i just love the the idea of moving every two or three years to a brand new place and experience oh. loads of new things i just love that yeah idea. Do you do your Savi friends? What do they think? Are they kind of do they laugh or do they think you've got this charmed life? Or how how do they see it? Well, Kelly always kind of not takes the mick, but always kind of says that all my friends are in Worcester. They're always in Worcester, and they're probably never going to move out of Worcester. And that kind of blows her mind because she's just never experienced that. She's been in the army since she was fifteen, and mm. she's always moved. Um, but yeah, my friends kind of they loved it when I was in the radio because they still got to listen. Um, they listened to a lot to my shows and they, they saw a lot to my stuff on social media. Now I'm a stay-at-home dad. As expected, they take the mick a little bit, like I'm under the thumb, Kelly pays my wages, which he kind of does, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they just take the mick. But I think they really look at my life and are a little bit jealous because it's it's a really good life, isn't it? The military spouse life and the military life in general is just a really exciting life. I think it's it's almost like Marmite, isn't it? You either love it or you hate it you can learn to love it you really can it is just mindset it's all around mindset and that's what we learn from our serving spouses is that you know when they're I was talking to somebody the other day and she said that he was in the paras and during Afghanistan she had three little kids and she he phoned her up and he was on just about to go on a really dangerous mission and she was like I can't cope with this and you do have those moments where it's really really tough but mindset is key and you learn that from the military is how to change that mindset and really focus on the positives. And I, I think we all feel, I think when every single person that we've met, I've met um, that has been in the military as a, as a wife has always said it was the best 20 years of my life. It was amazing. And I met the best friends. And I think that's one thing we can take away from it. I suppose during this podcast, me and you, we're going to go on this little journey together and we're going to get to know each other really well. So let's start now. Where have you kind of been? Uh, we've had Deepcut, Gloucester, Newbury and Yorkshire. <laughs> um, we haven't had anything really gla- glamorous. We haven't even been to Germany. We did have an offer to go to Germany, but um, sadly, my father was very ill at the time. So we decided to stay in the UK. But yeah, nothing too glamorous. But every time we've moved, Neil's gone, yeah, it's Gloucester. And I'm like, ooh, Gloucester. But actually, as you said earlier, you, you find the most amazing, we live in a beautiful country and actually there's so many I mean Yorkshire that place I mean I loved Yorkshire that was amazing the walks the the skies the people the fresh air the every stopping to talk to you on the street and the butcher knew your name and used to give us free sausages but yeah as you said we've said earlier you adapt to the situation how about you whereabouts you've been to Falkland which is really interesting yeah I think we've been quite lucky really so we started off in the Falklands that's actually where I met Kelly then moved to Germany um, from Germany, I got posted to Cyprus first, then back to Germany, then to Bahrain, um, then back to Germany, then to the Falklands again, and then back to the UK for the first time ever. Lived in uh, York. That's where we went for Kelly's maternity leave. Um, so we were there for like nine to ten months. And then during COVID, we moved up to Glasgow, which is where we are now for two years, I think. Fantastic. Well, I say Glasgow, we're actually in Paisley. Everyone always thinks it's Glasgow because that's where the APC is. So when you say you're up there, um, but Paisley, I found out a few weeks ago that Paisley 
used to be the murder capital of the UK. Very nice. <laughs> but it's not far from Edinburgh. I mean, I always jump on the train and you can go to Edinburgh and it's just that is such a vibrant city. I love Edinburgh. Um, there's so much going on there. Yeah. And the castle is amazing. And uh, Hogmanay. I haven't done one yet. I really want to do one. We was hoping to do one this year, but everything's been cancelled. Yeah. And that's the other thing we need to talk about is the big C, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What's how has that affected you? I mean, personally, what you moved in the middle of it. You found out how amazing your community is. And, you know, how has it been for you? During those few months, during the lockdown in York, the community just was amazing. Everyone came together. Everyone was drawing on the path, NHS and rainbows. And uh, even though it was kind of not being social, we were all doing stuff online. And it was really, really nice. And then we were hoping to move up to Glasgow and that date kept getting pushed back um, and back and back and back. And then we finally got um, an email saying that Kelly was a priority move. So we got to move sooner than we thought, even though it was later (laughs) than we originally thought. Um, But then that was really weird as well, because uh, we always choose to kind of get the movers to pack for us Mm -hmm. rather than packing ourselves. Um, But they couldn't even do that because they weren't allowed to touch our stuff. So we had to do it all ourselves. Um, I know, hardship, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think we should talk about military because there are going to be people that don't know our lives at all. And I was saying to you the other day that who's going to listen to this podcast? I don't really know who will listen, but I know that my mum will. (laughs) Yeah, my mum will. (laughs) But also um, maybe military spouses that haven't become a military spouse yet might listen because we get a lot of emails from wives saying, oh my gosh, this is such a weird world. And that feeling of moving and our friends say, God, lucky you having a moving, but we have no choice where we move or no. really any choice about the house that we move into we get a floor plan um we can't decide whether we what walls we have we can paint them but I think we do that once and never do it again but that packing thing and the unpacking and you don't have a choice about who you don't get to really know your movers I mean like we always get some beers and buy them some donuts I'm far too generous um but sometimes they can be quite great and sometimes they can be really awful well we bought our movers we bought our movers a massive pizza each and then yeah. the next day, opened our garage and loads of stuff was smashed. So I was like, I wish I didn't buy you that pizza now. I know. We've had the same. I say to my city friends, yeah, people, we get movers and, and it's paid for and they come and pack everything. And they're like, what? That's not right. You know, our government are paying for this. And, you know, this is our taxpayers' money. And, and so I've stopped telling a lot of my friends about the things that we get. But actually, there is a reason because it's all so quick. It's all so last minute. It, it isn't as, as great as it used to be. And it is still really tough. And they do. I mean, I remember the last move we did and they turned up with a tiny van. And I just laughed. I was like, how on earth are you going to fit all of our stuff into that tiny little van? Are you mad? You know, that was another thing, actually, um, because of COVID, they couldn't because they usually come around and survey, don't they, in the house. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they had to do that virtually. We had to walk them around with our phone and do a video chat. And again, because of that, they sent, yeah, the lorry was too small and they had to send another one. And then the other one took about three weeks to come up after the original one. So it was a bit oh. of a nightmare. And that's really interesting that you say that, is that it is a nightmare, is it? Because, you know, COVID is just, everything's just been thrown on its head, hasn't it, really? But actually, we find ourselves very frequently in these situations where I don't want to live here, or my toilet doesn't work, or lots of things don't work in our houses anymore. But we've learned to just deal with it. We learn to just get on with it. And I think that's the best way, the best attitude to have is not that you don't want to tell your, your serving your wife, your husband, when they come back from a really, you know, oh, God, you, you want to be able to, to do this as a team, don't you? This is a team thing. And 
let's try and get through this as best as we can, really. Yeah, they like come home from a, a really stressed out day and you're like, yeah, but the fire alarm <laughs> is leaking water. So, <laughs> yeah, we had a, we actually had an electric shower once, which um, actually was electric in the sense that it was it was the water and the electric were together. Um, and it was obviously a fire hazard. Um, and yeah, we've had some really interesting. We've had mushrooms growing from our ceiling. Wow. But yeah, we had a funny uh, facebook we put some something up i can't remember what it was now spouses were sending in their photographs of their quarters and doors that didn't open properly and pipes that were around something at another pipe and we could do a whole podcast on that but we're not going to do that we're going to be very positive about it but you have to laugh sometimes i mean i remember coming home and finding a hole in my ceiling like a, a perfectly round hole and i was like why is that there? And I had no idea why it was in. And my husband was like, oh, I don't know. He just came and made a hole. And I was like, great. And it was there for like six weeks. And it was because they wanted to check, was there asbestos? And there was asbestos, but they hadn't told us that. But every time I walked in, there was this massive hole. It just, my eye was drawn to it. Just bizarre things, isn't it? That, you know, we, we, we've got two toilets in our house. We can't use two at the same time because it's on the same water, whatever it is, as the other one downstairs. <laughs> so it's lit. when you've got kids at home, it's like, oh, my God, this is random things, really random things that you just yeah. uh, can't imagine. As you say, we could literally do a whole podcast on talking about how bad, in a way, military houses are. But then then again, I said to Kelly the other week that um, we complain a lot. And yeah, there are loads of things to complain about. But when they are broken, and yeah, we do have to wait like half an hour on the phone, but they do come out for free. I know it's kind of paid for somewhere, yeah. but they do come out and they do sort it out eventually. Yeah, and I've had I've lived in houses, rented accommodation before when I was a student and horrendous things you know you would phone and phone and phone and phone and nothing would happen so you can look at it in a way that poor me this is awful and I'm sure we could say to spouses phone in and tell us your terrible Amy story and they would we'd be inundated with calls up in Scotland they don't use Amy they use um Robertson's yeah and it was really funny because not that I'm saying Amy are, are bad or anything but the guy from Robertson in this like really deep Scottish accent when I said oh are you are you part of Amy he was like no we're nothing to do with Amy. I was like, oh, all right, okay. <laughs> How dare you say that? Are they better? Are they, are they quite good, Robinsons? They're more chatty. Well, Scottish people are, though, aren't they? A guy came out to fix our fence, and uh, I thought, right, while he's outside, I'll keep him company. And I was picking up some dog poo. Because we got two big dogs, there was quite a bit in this corner. So I was picking it up, and I had a bucket full of dog poo. And he was just insisting on talking to me for about 20 minutes. And this bucket was stinking. And I was like, mate, I just want to go put this in a bin. And he was carrying on talking about fishing and climbing mountains. And I was like, mate, this bucket stinks. <laughs> it's random, isn't it? <laughs> some of the spouses have some very, very funny stories. It's like packing your rubbish. I just find that really funny how they pack everything. And I remember when the children were really young and everything's crazy. And I remember unpacking and having rubbish and, and then we we put this on our sort of feed on Facebook and one of the spouses said that they'd been away abroad for two years only to unpack a box with their rubbish from two years ago um <laughs> just like oh my god and she said yeah it was pretty grim yeah it's going to be so interesting doing this podcast with you because we're going to talk obviously loads about spouses lives and what we get up to and for the people that know nothing about the military life then they're going to really be interested in this so we're going to learn a little bit about that but obviously it's going to be mainly about you guys because what you do is amazing didn't you say you've had a massive uptake because of covid 
Yeah, so we've had um, 162% increase in registrations and it, it was crazy. I mean, COVID for Recruit for Spouses was pretty grim. I mean, so we are a social enterprise and we are self-funded completely. We have a career academy which supports upskilling and sort of social media courses and we do we train spouses to work in for some of our clients. COVID was really rubbish because we essentially lost 95% of our work overnight and it was we had to furlough 18 people and as a result we then had to make 15 people redundant so it was really really tough but it was great for me because I it was a focus I, I sadly lost my dad in COVID as well which is pretty awful but it was a really good focus for me to do that and I think as well I got to really get under the business I felt like I was starting recruit spouses all over again literally I was answering the phone doing the payroll checking the emails doing the face Facebook, updating the Twitter profiles, everything. It was me. It was just everything again. And I was like, oh my God, this is so much work. And it was really, really tough. But um, I enjoyed it. It was a good distraction for me. Mm. And what I did do is I just dug really deep. I thought this cannot fail. And and again, as I said earlier, it's about remembering those spouses who write to us. I mean, I spend every evening um, and I know um, my team as well. So I've I've got team members that are on Facebook every evening. I'm mostly on Instagram in the evening chatting to wives and spouses going oh my god you know so I was doing that a lot and a lot of them are saying you know it's really hard it's still really tough to get a CV together and where do I start and you know so so that's really what this podcast is about and we have got some really really exciting news coming soon which I'm, I'm embargoed I'm not allowed to talk about but hopefully by the time this is out it'll be a couple of weeks so one of my biggest um, things is to get employers who really support us so I didn't whilst you can have lots of employers that want you to just sell things and for a spouse I think it's really important that we have a job we really enjoy and isn't there's only one thing worse than the the no job and that's a bad job and mm-hmm. believe me I've had some of the worst employers ever I've had some really horrible bosses um, and I just thought that for a military spouse with all of our lives moving and kids in schools and husbands wives away we just need a job that we enjoy and you want that duvet chuck on a monday morning that you get up and go yeah this is I'm, I'm, yeah woo get me i'm going for this job and i love this job so we're working with some really lovely companies and we really like our clients because they just listen to us and what we need and we do work a lot with the spouses on preparing them to work from home because despite the fact that covid has happened there is a huge i think there's there's a big thing around mental health well-being work-life balance it should just be life balance if your work is your life um and i think what i want to do is help spouses to access those jobs and what the spouses that have found work through us have said oh my gosh it was so easy i just had the job i went to the interview and i had the job but that's what we do is we prepare them we get them ready and the employers are don't ask those ridiculous questions like how long are you around for so yeah i mean what I'd like to talk about with you know, in, in these podcasts is around how do you apply for these roles? How can you best prepare yourselves for these roles? And we've got things like um, video interviews that we're now doing, which is really exciting. So we will say to spouses, just on your phone, we've got a, a video. They log into our portal and they upload the, tell me a bit about yourself and talk for a minute about you. And and how can you best do that? And, then, and it is really hard, but it's like being in an interview. You, know, you get up, have a shower, get dressed. Um, and it sounds really obvious. I mean, I know I did a, a 
Zoom yesterday in my hoodie and then realized I was talking to the managing director of one of my biggest companies, a multi-billion pound company. And I was like, first thing I saw, and when I saw him, I, he was in his hoodie as well. I thought, like, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> he was unshaven. But we it's been really weird, actually, because we're so used to meeting in boardrooms and having these very official meetings seriously but meeting them differently so yeah it's around how do you present yourself in a video how do you you know get that confidence really to to do it and actually I say if I can do it anybody can do it because um it's not easy is it you've just got to have confidence and during this podcast we're going to be obviously talking to a lot of those people that you have successfully got jobs for um for the spouses listening now that are maybe unemployed and are a bit nervous how long does the kind of process take so going from literally zero to hero to getting that job how long does the process with you guys usually take that's a really really good question now um it's a bit like fine-tuning a racing car i suppose and i'm not referring to spouse as a racing car but we've we've fine-tuned the process so that we can onboard them really quickly um some of the companies that we work for like ba systems um, hsbc nationwide uber and they require quite a high level of security some of them because the jobs that they're doing are quite crunchy so we get the spouses to upload all their documents and things like that to our system so that's all done quite quickly and if they need training so for some of the jobs they need to have specific training so it's usually about a month from start to finish we'd like to make it a couple of weeks but the spouse needs to get used to the childcare preparing yourself getting I mean we've got to get the hardware to you as well and we say to spouses like you want to do 40 hours do 10 hours start with 10 hours and see how you go with that things like having a dog and making sure it's quiet put a note on your door so you don't get Amazon delivery banging on your door every five minutes or so it's it's preparing themselves really so it's about four weeks that's nothing though is it really from And again, though, somebody just in Civvy Street looking for a job, they'd probably spend half a year job hunting before even trying to get the process underway. But with you guys, it just takes around about a month, two weeks to a month. That's incredible. Yeah, a lot of spouses say to us, gosh, um, I haven't worked. I mean, we get so many spouses. I haven't worked for five, six years. I've been... These are spouses who've had great careers. They started, they got married, they met their husband, wife in a bar in London, in Sandhurst and fell in love and had an amazing wedding and... Uh, yeah, let's go to let's go to Germany for two. Or oh, let's go to Kinloss for two years. Yay! Let's go to Northern Ireland for a year. Yay! And then all of a sudden, oops, I've worked for six years, and they've had an amazing career. We we had um, a lady um, who was David Beckham's PA, and she said to us that because she worked for the Beckhams, it was actually really hard for her to get another job because people are like, well, you haven't worked for seven years, and you worked for the Beckhams. What's wrong with you? We've got to dispel this myth that. If they're really good, they'd have a job. I mean, employers, a lot of employers have said that to me. And then I say, well, actually, you're losing out. And we had a spouse just last week who contacted us saying that she'd applied for a job and didn't get it based on the fact that she was a military spouse, the fact that she, the employer thought that she'd be moving and that she'd had too much of a fractured career and gave the job to somebody far less qualified. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I'm like, well, you know, it's your loss. And actually, I say just we say to spouses, do not hide the fact that you are attached to military at all. You've got to be very proud of that and use that as a fact because there are employers, as you said earlier, now who actively employ military spouses. But again, there is a big education piece around. We've done a lot with the on our sort of Instagram recently around, and you've been in that situation where um, 
you have to go somewhere and oh my gosh who's gonna have the who's gonna pick my child up from school who's gonna and and it is really tough and, and I'm, I remember being in London and Neil was in Iraq um I'm thinking I shouldn't and I was in Yorkshire I traveled down from Yorkshire to London and that awful guilt of thinking my husband is in another country dangerous country my family are 400 miles away and here I am on a train to London leaving my son <laughs> in school on his own and literally and it's just thinking oh my gosh I've got three people relying on people to pick him up feed him supper um you know and I will hopefully be back to put him back to bed but that risk that pressure that you're if you lived in an area that you'd been in for two years, you'd have had a neighbour or somebody that you know, or you know, Mrs. Jones down the road, who you could sort of feed them pasta, or you'd have that network. But we don't have that, and we have to really rely on that. So, having an employer that understands that, but isn't kind of overly too sympathetic. So, there's a very fine balance between us feeling that we have a um, life owes us a living, if that makes sense, and then the employer understanding. There's a very fine line between that. I haven't kind of given up my career because of following Kelly around the world because BFBS were actually really good with that. Wherever she went, they they tried their best to send me. But because I've had Holly now, I've decided to be a stay-at-home dad. But I can I can kind of foresee myself being in that position, what you said just then about the lady working for the Beckhams and then not working for seven years. Um, that lady probably worked so hard to work for the Beckhams and then to be kind of almost shot down because she hasn't worked for seven years. I really hope that doesn't happen to me because, yeah. you know, I've worked worked really hard to get where I am in the radio industry, um, but now I'm having to take this big, long break in like five, six years' time if I do decide to get back into it full time. Radio stations are so dog-eat-dog. Dog. They'll be like, no, you haven't really done much in the last six years, so why would we employ you? Yeah, but you've, had, you've got a really good podcast, but you're yeah. the dad. And I think it is definitely changing. And, and I think that's why it's really important to keep this conversation going and change that narrative. It is really, really key to make people aware that it just doesn't happen. And we, there's still a lot of effort that needs to happen, that we still need to invest in in ourselves and invest in employment and see the opportunities and, and, and seize the opportunities. But I, the way I see it is that the employers that we're working with at the moment realise how lucky they are to have our spouses because they're realising that, wow, these women are men are amazing. They are so adaptable. We've put them under a lot of pressure and they don't complain. They just get on with it. Yeah. And we, we keep putting stuff on them and they and giving them big roles. And, and uh, when it does get launched eventually, some of the roles are really exciting. And the spouses are saying to us, I can't believe we're doing this. I cannot believe we're doing this job. It's so, it's like, it's amazing. And we're like, yeah, but this has taken 10 years. <laughs> it's taken a lot of effort. But, and I say to all the spouses that work for us, um, that have worked for us, or that, that you are championing other military spouses. So you're kind of laying the foundations for the next one that comes in, for the next team. So that people go, yeah, we had this military spouse and she worked for us and she was amazing. And she was amazing, because, not because she was a military spouse, but because she was used to be putting in foreign situations. She was really good with people. We really liked having her around. She was happy to, and somebody, an employer said to me, she was quite happy to put the bins out and make coffee for everyone. But equally, she was confident enough to pull off a presentation. She wasn't too proud to have, say, I'm not making coffee for everyone. She was just part of the team. And I think that's what we give as a nation, as people. We we give back a lot. And it's interesting, we talk about um, the Military Wives film, and we were talking about that yesterday, weren't we? And um, some of the actresses have, have contacted me saying, when they first got signed up, didn't quite know anything about military spouses all their life and it was a bit 
bit foreign for them. But then when they start to, they were living and they were really got underneath, they, they really got to understand and appreciate the type of people we are. Um, and we always have been for hundreds of years. And, and the support, the backbone that we give to the to the armed forces really is 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 key. The other thing as well is, is that in Australia, they're saying that um, unemployment in spouses directly affects military effectiveness. So it, they say that by having a spouse that isn't working or a partner that isn't working or is not working in the job, you know, gainfully or unhappy in her work, that it directly affects fighting power in Australia or the defence, which is which is huge. I mean, they haven't said that over here, but I, I firmly stand by that. And I think that if you haven't got a happy family and, and your spouse isn't, working or supported or enjoying life then your 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 serving partner is not going to be happy and it's going to impinge on everything definitely i think it's really interesting to see how um spouses and military personnel are treated in other countries like australia and like america i know in america they really really go to town on how amazing their military community are and they they look at how amazing the families are as well. But then on Facebook, if you look on Facebook or Twitter and you type in military spouse, the abuse they get from the general public in America is is way over the top as well. Twitter's a funny place, isn't it? I mean, mm. I dip my toes in now and then and we've got an account. I've got a personal account, but it is, you do get, I mean, you had something quite uh, interesting recently, didn't <laughs> you? A work from home dad. I was like, oh my gosh, people are brutal aren't they um and I, I just follow people I know and I like I don't I don't sort of follow anybody that is toxic and I spend a lot of my time laughing at sort of people that I know their tweets it's just quite funny um but it, it's a weird place but there are a lot of people that see it in a negative way but I suppose like anything else and we've had employers actually say just sorry we we won't support you because you are military and and we've been really shocked by that but you're going to get that anywhere aren't you with anything you do you are indeed Right, so shall we kind of wrap it up because we've yeah. we've spoken about so much and we've got so much more to talk about, which is why I'm so excited about this podcast. I know, it's amazing. So we've got some very exciting guests on the way. Yeah, we're going to get some really good ones. So we've got um, Palmer, who was my investor when I first started Recruit Spouses. I needed... I needed £5,000 to start a website and, and that's how we kind of met. And um, he's got a really interesting story. He was in the rifles. I didn't know him. Um, I just had £100 and I uploaded this thing to the Angel Network and uh, popped Palmer. But he's got a really interesting story and he now works for the NHS as a director. And I just think that his story is why he got involved and, and the reasons behind has, has kept me going when things have been really tough. And he's become a very good friend over the years and um yeah he's very pleased with with the way things have gone which is good we've also going to interview some spouses who have just got jobs and remember very well that sort of feeling of not working and and so hopefully spouses will be able to sort of think well it's not just me i'm not just on my own so we'll be covering a lot of different topics which i think will be quite good what would you say to somebody to make them want to listen to this podcast that's a really good one to ask i think it's going to be useful. I think if I listen to a podcast, um, I was listening to Lee Max today. I mean, there's some podcasts I listen to that I find really, really great. There's some brilliant military ones out there. And I just leave feeling, oh, that was really useful. And I think if a spouse can listen to this and feel a little bit better about how she's felt, you know, at the beginning, or him, <laughs> I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's just going to be useful. It's going to help them to realise that they're not alone, that they could be living in the middle of nowhere um, and they don't know their neighbours. They've just moved to a location. They've got no idea where to start. It could be a spouse who's just starting to get married, just looking at um, the whole kind of looking down the barrel of 
finding their first military quarter what do they do how does it what what does it all mean it could be for anybody it could be a spouse who's done it for years and is leaving and and what's their next phase what where do they go next so yeah hopefully they'll feel a bit better about themselves so it's going to be useful and a bit of banter thrown in as well a little bit of banter yeah 